The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, Yo, dude, you've had some Lyme disease. Uh, and, I mean, based on my experience, I, I recoil more from the doxycycline because I got that stuff so early, I never really had any symptoms. How's it going for you? Uh, well, today I'm great. Um, I, you know, I got bitten by a tick, which I saw. Uh, I pulled the tick off and then I watched as the bullseye rash appeared. <clears throat> that was on a Saturday. First thing Monday morning, I had an appointment with the doctor. I got the doxycycline. I began taking it immediately and I thought to myself, ha, you, I have beaten you, tick. I win, you lose. And then by Tuesday night, I did not feel as much like a winner as I did <laughs> previously oh, wow. because, yeah, the whole uh, the whole train came to a grinding halt and partially derailed. Ooh. So I spent uh, most of last week sort of with my head in my hands contemplating, um, you know, contemplating death uh, in a wistful sort of, yeah, I guess I've had a good run kind of way, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I hope when my time does come, I can face it cheerfully, but, uh, yeah. So then I guess the antibiotics caught up with the Lyme disease and I began, and I, I would add that I had, uh, some tamales from this Mexican place nearby on sunday i think it was and i there was i'm not sure i think that medical science should evaluate the uh, effectiveness of treating lyme disease with tamales because i felt one way beforehand and another way after um and so uh, i'm gonna i gotta drill down on this at least a little bit uh the yeah. way you felt after the tamales uh that was an improvement yeah, yeah, a huge improvement. Okay, so you're suggesting that tamales have a curative force. Well, uh, I will tell you unequivocally that tamales have a curative force. Uh, I did was not aware that they were effective in the treatment of Lyme disease, but, you know, uh, most respected medical journals will accept studies with one data point, I think, um, and so I'll be publishing that soon. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, tamales, tamales, uh, are spiritually restorative as well. That much I can attest to. Yeah. I've never eaten one while I was deceased. Yeah, you should try it. Um, uh, yeah. Tamales are just a positive force in the, in the world. Yeah, that scans that. Yeah, 
Although I will say that a dry tamale is an offense of an offense before God. Whichever God you choose, it's an offense before that God. A dry tamale. Yeah, I I can concur on that as well. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe that's why they have tamale sauce. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you know, don't try to pass me a dry tamale disguised with sauce as as some sort of like I see your sins. Right? <laughs> you gotta keep that thing wrapped in the corn husk. I like the banana leaf or the corn husk. We're going deep on tamales now, and I feel like um I don't know if this is the way we want to go, but I would just say that don't unwrap that damn tamale before uh before you're ready to serve it to me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Or let me unwrap it. Yes, exactly. I I don't I can't disagree with you on any of this. So having yeah. settled the utility of tamales, we can move on to your pool. Oh great. <laughs> great. <laughs> So, um, this is my pull this week. I, I stuck my foot in my mouth, uh, which will not be a shock to most listeners. The problem with this particular incident is that it was at a company party, uh, for my wife's company and it was in conversation with her boss. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I'd met him. And we were doing that thing where you sort of feel each other out. And he said, uh, oh, I understand you work. I'm paraphrasing massively. If he's listening, know that I, I this is max. This is delivered for maximum comedic value. What you actually said is not that important to me. Uh, <laughs> he said he under he said, I understand you work in the outdoor industry industry. And I said, yeah mostly in bikes. And he said, Oh, my wife and I got a Peloton at the beginning of lockdown. So I spend a fair amount of time on that. Now, before, (laughs) spare me a little bit of understanding here, right? So we're standing at the time we're standing on a boat. This is a party on a boat. I'm captive at a company party Mm -hmm. on a boat. It's the end of summer. Um, the breeze is magical and cool and wonderful. The weather had been, we had been in a long stretch of mercifully beautiful weather. The sort of weather New Englanders tend to view very skeptically. Like we're just sure the other shoe is bound to drop any minute, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Like the sunshine is going to be pierced by an ice storm. But so I said to him, I said, you know, where is really great to ride a bike, uh, outside, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i just said it you know i just it just kind of like, slipped out it did it did uh so there was this pause then before our eyes met and i smiled and he smiled uh and there was this joint recognition that yes i had just busted his chops <laughs> So in my mind, you know, this is good natured ribbing. This is just how I am as a human. And I recognize that not everyone is ready for ribbing all the time. Uh, I've delivered, you know, no small number of apologies for being um, uh, abrasive. But so I think he took it, I think he took it pretty good naturedly. He laughed. He said something about not being as hardcore as I am. And I said something, um, you know, um, uh, so I, I, 
I imparted some false humility around that. And then we chuckled. And in that moment, I realized I just kind of low-key shamed him. And so I said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just being a jerk. And then we we chuckled again and we moved on to different uh, subjects. I didn't think that much of it, but then my wife reported back to me the following week that he had mentioned it to her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, as I hoped, he had taken it for what it was like he imparted it to her as a funny story about like, oh, I met your husband um, <laughs> and he's an asshole. Uh, I don't know if he said that or not. She would have been like, yeah, so yeah, you did meet him. Um, You've got the right guy. Yeah. Um, all of this is uh, not just a story about me being um, socially awkward, but it's to say uh, it's a segue to I was on Bicycle Retailer uh, the other day, which for those who don't know, is a website that um bike shop owners and people in the industry read it's sort of a collecting point for all the news about what's happening and who's going where and what products are out and etc etc so i was there and i noticed they had a story probably from a press release about peloton's stock price Mm -hmm. and it struck me that what we think of as cycling is more broadly defined than i normally allow Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Like, is riding a stationary bike inside really cycling? I'm not saying it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying I don't know. It feels to me like a different thing. But if you mount a road bike on a trainer and spin away in your basement, that to me is a cycling activity. And I recognize that my logic there is highly flawed. But I think there's a there's a subtle distinction where the thing that you're riding on the trainer can then be taken off the trainer and ridden around outside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and therefore i say oh well that's just a temporary state whereas if you to me if you have a peloton and look i hope people have pelotons i hope that they are you know pursuing fitness in whatever way uh is great for them um i don't want to say that peloton is bad or that people shouldn't do it, whatever. I'm just saying I don't equate. Um, I suspect that Peloton riders by and large don't ride bikes outside and they aren't cyclists in the sense that I, in my n- very narrow uh, uh, view, define the word. And it reminded me. Um, so this is kind of an issue because I don't want to be an exclusive sort of I don't want to have an exclusive attitude about cycling. Mm hmm. But it also struck me as um, it reminded me of the piece you wrote for the site the other day about e-bikes, you know, sort of uh, e-bike riders, many of them not being cyclists already. um, And so being not part of any kind of cycling constituency. Mm hmm. And so then what do we do with all these people? So we find ourselves as cyclists who want to grow the world of cyclists. Mm hmm. In this weird space where um, we're trying to, like, say, like, to e-bike riders, no, you're, like, come be a cyclist. Mm -hmm. Come be a cyclist. And I think we're doing the same thing with Peloton riders. I I mean, I hope. Yeah, I think the sadness of the conversation where I I hit hit, uh, the president of my wife's company with a zinger was that I didn't then 
explore the space around do you ride outside what do you like about the pelt like i didn't i didn't gain information Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i closed the door rather than opening it so that's my my bad entirely but um what do you where where are you on all of this so i'm gonna begin with an an analogy that may crash and burn um like well like uh rodan did in the godzilla film i saw on the plane yesterday oh sweet uh so you know when when uh beer companies tally up their sales for a given year if they make something like uh is it heineken i forget who it is one of the european makers makes buckler which is a a relatively alcohol-free beer it's like a half a percent or something right if you make a beer that serious beer drinkers would turn their nose up at, uh, that doesn't get subtracted from your total of what you produced for a year. You made beer. Some of it just to serious beer drinkers isn't drinkable. Um, and I think this is a little bit like that where people on the inside look at, Peloton owners as not being cyclists. And that's a, it's a missed opportunity. Um, you know, yeah, I, I want to welcome everyone I can into the sport. Uh, right. And so, I mean, look, I'm not great at this, but when I've, when I've met people who are Peloton owners and not, you know, to use our term already cyclists, um, you know, the first thing they always do is say something kind of self-deprecating of, you know, oh, I, I know that's not like what you do. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, because I am, uh, uh, um, any sort of awkwardness like that makes me pretty uncomfortable. And so I immediately go looking for the middle ground. It's like, well, you're pedaling. Do you like it? Are you having fun? You know, do you look forward to it? Right. When I'm on my game, that is absolutely my approach because people know me like my friends know me. They know how much I've ridden in my life and they know that I write about bikes and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, and that that phrase, I'm not as hardcore as you are. I've heard it like a thousand times. And the thing is, I'm not hardcore at all. (laughs) There are so many riders who are so much more cycle than me i i can't even tell you and what i say when i'm on my game is like look if you enjoy riding your bike you're getting everything out of it that i am mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like whether i paid more for my bike or it's got this on it or that like that makes zero difference like whoever's having the most fun wins period in my mind yeah and so i always try to equalize it that way yeah yeah um I'm going to draw another really, really colossally bad analogy, uh, also using an intoxicant, actually two intoxicants. I mean, I kind of see Peloton a little bit like crack dealers see weed. It's like, well, that's a gateway drug. You know, come, come, come try this stuff. I've got something even more powerful. Uh, And I just I remember on one particular trip to New York City. Uh, I was walking through Washington Square and there were guys walking around, snapping their fingers, go try before you buy. Try you. I got some crack. Try before you buy. Uh, And I thought, you know, that sounds like a colossally bad plan for anyone 
curious about trying something that's mm, highly addictive. In the case of cycling, much the same is true. It's highly addictive, but without all the bad uh, side effects. Um, well, without most of the bad side effects, let's be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think let's in the be. long run, it's less expensive. Um, Especially if you factor in rehab. Uh, yeah, that could be true. That could be true. <laughs> I have not smoked a crack that I'm aware of. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I mean, I do see the Peloton as being a great way to try. And I used to do with this with friends who went to spin classes. I mean, the Peloton is the spin class of the 21st century, right? Yeah. Yeah. There is there near the bike path in our town. There is a a gym, a very big gym, and they have spin classes there. And during the or during the easing of restrictions in the pandemic, they had outdoor spin classes within view of the bike path. And I I would go by on my bike and think, what is happening right now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is a little surreal in that regard. Yeah, that's the kernel of and and I want to repeat. I am the problem here. I am the problem. If people are engaging and I think this is a very important point. If people are behaving in a way that I don't understand, it's incumbent on me to understand them, not them to make themselves understood to me. Yeah. Yeah. I just struggle with that idea of paying money to get on a bike and sit still. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I hope if you're listening, you you take that as like a core, you know, like I love it so much that I can't understand not wanting to move through space on a bike. It's not that I uh, actually think less of people who are really if you're doing exercise regularly, you just you're just doing it right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're winning at living. That's for sure. Yeah. It, it takes everything to maintain the motivation to do those things. So, you know, mm-hmm. as I am want to say, ride that lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things that as I, uh, become, a um, a, a better person, I really want to look for those opportunities where I can try to demystify cycling itself to people who are Peloton riders or go to spin classes or whatever. Um, I want to try to invite them into the tribe. Um, Yeah. You know, so in a way, you know, in answer to your question, you know, what I think of this uh, or whatever, what you think of it doesn't really matter. My experience is that Peloton riders don't even think of themselves as cyclists. Um, And, you know, golly, wouldn't it be nice if we could change that for them? You know, no, you're, you're one of us. You just, you would like this even more if you were moving through space. Yeah. Or maybe it's not even for me to tell them what they would like more. Maybe they love their thing. Maybe they love their thing. And And if they're satisfied with what they're doing, cool. Yeah. 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 Any, any, look, any first meeting, uh, be it with your wife's boss or anyone where you, uh, hat, where you, um, launch a judgment at them uh is bad form is bad form like i did the wrong thing um 
I don't even know why I'm defending myself by saying I don't understand getting on a bike and not. That's well, the source of my gaff. I mean, honestly, I wish I could do more time on the trainer because I would go down and do an hour before bed. Uh, but it turns out that at this point in my life, um, a a bike that does not move, swivel or otherwise um, change its position relative to the ground is, uh, mm, well, narcolepsy for my junk. Oh, yeah. And I mean, really badly. It has gotten progressively more so over the years. Mm. And uh, mm. I now look at uh, the bike that I have, um, in my trainer. And it's like, I'd like to ride that, but I don't know, maybe I should do multiple half hour sessions in the day on the days that I don't go out. Um, but yeah, I'm not part of that target market really anymore. Um, mm. it's kind of shame. I mean, and you know, here's the thing. Zwift is just stupid amounts of fun. I believe you. i mean you're talking to a guy i just went and dropped my car off at the mechanic and i threw my bike in the back and i left the car at the mechanic and then i did a quick little rip through two or three sections of trail on the way home and i was just grinning like an idiot i'm just willing to to put the bike i'm just willing to do it i'm willing to be outside i'm willing to do it so yeah I, I but, hear you. But I understand not everyone feels like they have room in their life for that. Yeah. I'm fortunate to have the freedom. Yes. And, you know, I certainly respect that, you know, people, a lot of people out there schedule their days, you know, down to the half hour and they only have so much time and they want to make it as uh, efficient and, you know, money as possible. Mm. So I get it. Yeah. Alrighty, well, we're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on Support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What do you got for us this week, Patrick? All righty. Well, I got a question from listener Michelle in Nashville about riding in the rain. In short, she asked, what are your best tips for riding in the rain? Um, Riding in the rain is not super fun. I think we'll just go ahead and concede the point there. But if you do want to stay fit... (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to concede the point. I'm not conceding the point, but you go on. Okay. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, but seriously, if you want to stay fit through the winter, pedaling through puddles is probably, you know, uh, sort of inevitable. Sure. Yeah. I will say that I've got more experience riding in the rain than I'd like to admit. 
I'm not sure why I don't want to admit how much of it I have, but I don't. <laughs> uh, if only maybe because I think that number serves as a fair indictment of my sanity. Sure. That would be my biggest reason. Uh, some of these tips won't surprise, but a few of them might. Truly, my first biggest tip is to ditch your glasses. Uh, unless you have corrective lenses that you actually need in order to be able to ride, you know, otherwise you won't be able to tell the road from the ditch. Uh, there are just so many ways that water can foul your view uh, that I've learned it's just better to do without. Uh, fogged lenses, lenses that are so dotted with moisture that I think I might be a fly with all those eyes. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's proven to be a problem more often than not. So now before everybody starts screaming at their speakers or their earbuds, which would maybe look a little different, uh, <laughs> you know, I know everyone's thinking, well, you're going to end up with rain in your eyes. There's actually a pretty darn good solution to that, which is wear a cycling <laughs> cap beneath your helmet. The brim doesn't even need to be pulled, especially low to shield your eyes from 90% of what's falling. Um, I, you know, I just, I don't even it's what they're made for. Yeah. They're yeah. They keep stuff out of your face. Yeah. Uh, not just the sun. Uh, next up, a wet chamois does make riding in the rain, especially if it's cold, something approaching, mm, let's call it torture. <laughs> it's definitely not fun. Uh, and so for that rec, uh, for that reason, I do recommend a rear fender at minimum. I say, get one of those under the saddle ass savers, but the closer to the rear wheel the fender is, the drier you'll stay overall. Also, if you are doing group rides in the rain, bear in mind that more fender reduces your rooster tail. And mm. that's good for the riders behind you. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I have learned, can be important because riders who don't want to be on your wheel because of the rooster tail will frequently work to pass you. And that can leave you at the back of the group. Now, that's my home. <laughs> uh, okay, on to upper body. I'm going to say something uh, that will probably also surprise folks. Uh, I'm not a fan of rain jackets, except for shorter rides where you may not need to get into your pockets. Now, this is just a personal quirk. Uh, but if I need to pull up a jacket or reach through a flap or a zippered opening or something like that, that extra complication will cause me to eat less. Um, that's why I'll only wear a jacket on shorter rides. Um, what I prefer are the membrane jackets like the Castelli Perfetto or the Pearl Izumi Amphib. Um, you know, sportful, they're interesting because they offer three different weights in their Fiandre line. Um, I like these jackets because they aren't especially bulky, uh, certainly less bulky than a base layer, a long sleeve jersey, and then a jacket because all you need is a base layer beneath them. Um, and they also offer pockets and back for food and whatnot. So you're not reaching around something or through something. Um I've worn a Castelli Perfetto with a medium weight base layer all the way down to freezing temperatures. Granted, I was going pretty stinking hard, but I was, uh, I, 
I'm not going to say I was comfortable. I, I, that just seems really kind of the wrong word to say, but it, it was effective enough to get me through the day. How's that? I'll, I'll, t- I'll accept it. Okay. Uh, below the waist won't surprise any regular listeners of the pace line. I like thermal bibs if it's cold and will usually go with imbrication on my legs because the rain will simply run right off. They can't, you know, embro can't hold water. Uh, the way a lot of knee warmers or leg warmers can. The alternative, though, is something like Castelli's Nano Knee Warmers, which are super water resistant. Uh, same goes for Sportful's Fiandre No Rain Line and Pearl Izumi's products with PI Dry. Uh, Giordana also has some. Uh, I forget what theirs is called. For the feet, I recommend getting some thin waterproof socks rather than booties. My experience, I mean, you know, not everybody deals with a rainy season. It'll rain some here and there and stop for a while and rain. In Northern California, when we get to monsoon season, it will rain for days and days in a row. Not all day. uh, But the upshot is that my shoes end up wet. If I keep riding day, day after day, my shoes will be wet. And I don't like for my feet to be cold and wet even before I get on the bike um, you know, just because it was la- wet on my last three rides. So a waterproof sock allows me to start a ride with comfy feet. Um, it is a problem though, for anyone who buys their shoes with a super snug fit, uh, the nature of my funny feet, I have to buy them a little looser. So I tend to have room for a thicker than usual sock. Uh, there are some out there from, uh, seal skins, um, that mm-hmm. are really about as thick as a thick wool sock. They're not crazy thick. They make others that are just way too, way too thick, but they have a thin one. That's really pretty dynamite. Ah, now the difficult one. I don't have great advice on gloves. People's need for dexterity and warmth will vary wildly. And for anyone who needs the dexterity necessary, to shift Shimano's DI2 on the road um, and also suffers cold hands, you'll just have to try a lot of different gloves. Um, neoprene can be a great way to go, but your hands will still be wet. And it'll look like raisins after you're finished. Um, I don't know. John, what would you add? Well, I have been wet on the bike uh, a lot as well. Um, my number one tip is accept it (laughs) (laughs) accept it i you know i've done this whole dance like oh i don't want to get wet i don't want to get wet getting wet is only uncomfortable for me while i'm get in the process of getting wet once i'm wet and i've accepted it i'm i have had some really i've had fun i've had great rides even in the cold you know as long as you're riding hard enough to keep yourself relatively warm I once I'm wet, I'm good. Um, so my number one tip is, yep, yep, just just know you're gonna get wet, accept it, go through that five minute process where the water is soaking you in whatever way it does. And I think for me, I don't try to shield it too much. I'm I run very warm, so any kind of um, rain jacket turns me into a sauna. 
Uh, and I would rather be rain wet than sweat wet. So I tend not to use rain jackets. I do use some of the membranes occasionally uh, if I'm not going very far. But otherwise, I just it kind of accept it. On the glove front, my best advice is actually to run two pairs of thin gloves. And um, it, you seem to get a better insulating effect that way and still have uh, keep all your dexterity. I've... It, I can do that down uh, into, you know, down to probably 40 degrees. Mm -hmm. So I'm again, I'm a little different hot cold wise than other people. But, you know, I think I have gotten all of the stuff to be able to ride in the rain and I have employed it all. And what I find nine times out of 10 is I should just wear my regular stuff and accept wetness. (laughs) you are definitely a robot Um, (laughs) i i mean i am somebody who can get reasonably uncomfortable you know if it's if it's 50 degrees in that range or certainly lower i've had situations where the wind has caught me in a you know if it was relatively stiff uh still and then i you know uh come out of a forest or you know come into a broad plain and the wind catches me um that has sent me to borderline hypothermia before uh because yeah. i just didn't have all the everything on when that happened uh riding when it's warm and rain like say 85 and raining uh i mean i did that in florida i did it uh in memphis plenty uh, racing in Mississippi. I haven't had that experience of being on a bike and being wet and being warm. Ah, the, uh, the Bush administration, the first Bush administration. <laughs> I, Bush one. Yeah. It's been a long, we, long time. I missed that actually. We were on a beach vacation. This is 2020. I think 2020. I think so. I think we rented a place at the beach for a week because we couldn't go anywhere. And so we drove to the beach and we stayed at this place and there were um, cruiser bikes there that you could ride to the beach. And we're at the beach one day and I looked up and I could see the clouds coming in and I was like, oh, we're going to we're going to get wet. Um, So we and people were like sprinting off the beach other other you know like with (laughs) towels and children trailing them and we just sort of walked out and they were all getting in their bikes and it started to rain and it started to rain pretty hard and it was pretty hilarious watching them like shove all their stuff like sandy stuff in the car and freak out and um we got on our bikes and we started to ride and it's at this point it's pouring and we're probably it's probably a three mile ride to the house and uh I mean, it's the kind of rain where there's as much seems to be as much coming up as down. Yes. Yes. It's coming down so hard. It's bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. And my exactly. And my wife and I are riding along on these cruisers and we get off the road onto this bike path that leads down towards the house. And we're both soaked to the skin and we look at each other and we just start laughing. And, uh, you know, because it was probably 80 degrees, we were it was fine. We were soaking wet. Um, and we were soaking wet and we were rolling along. We couldn't get more wet. Um, 
Uh, and we certainly couldn't get less wet. And uh, <laughs> it was like this really beautiful, fun moment. It might have been my favorite moment of the whole vacation. <laughs> that's great. That's that's really great. Um, yeah, I I mean, there comes a point on a long day where you can use all all the goods, you know, all the different uh, techniques and best gear and whatnot. And at a certain point, you're just wet. You're That's just it? wet all through. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very liberating, I find. I will say, though, that um, having my chamois get wet gradually, <laughs> as, opposed to, uh, yeah. as opposed to one immediately cold, fell swoop of a thing. Yeah. It, it, that does make a difference. It does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I, I mean, if I go from dry to 50 degree wet pad, thanks to a single 10th of a mile rooster tail, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> it's character building. I've, I, we have established that I am a character, though, so I don't yeah. know that I need more of that. No, 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 no. You're overbuilt. <laughs> but I underdeliver. <laughs> Not for me, buddy. Not for me. Um, yeah. So I, it's um, I, I I am personally going to endeavor to be out there more uh, this winter when it's raining. Um, I'm not sure why, but I've kind of set that as a goal for myself. Uh, and we will see what happens. My experience with this, and it, it branches not just into rain and wet, but cold and snow and even ice is that my life is better when I'm outside Mm -hmm. period at the end of sentence, um, staying inside and thinking about whether to go out or not is not a winning proposition for me. And I can go out and be cold and wet and, as you say, miserable, but that is still a better outcome for me than couched and restless and whatever that is. And it's not that every trip outside is comfortable and all the other things. And it's not that I'm tough and it's not that it's not any of those things. It's just that my mind, uh, my mind and body and spirit, whatever that means, feel better if I go outside. That's it. That's it. So, so part of this is like when I say accept being wet, it's part of it. It's just part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's where I have to go, so it's what I have to live with. Yeah, yeah, well put. Alrighty, let's move on to Paceline Picks. What do you have for us this week? This week, I'm picking the Park Tool AWS 9.2. You know how I love Park Tools. I, I do, I do. Yeah, I want Park Tools. If anyone at Park Tool is listening, hit me up. Because we need to give proper names to your products. This whole thing where you use letters and numbers, it's not helping anyone. Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to stick up for them here because their naming conventions, you know, it's not a sexy thing to say AWS 9.2. But in terms of understanding their hierarchy of tools, uh, it's very logical. Uh, everything's always an abbreviation of what the thing actually is. Uh, yeah. 
it's it's easy for me to sort through. Uh, and I respect them for that. And having worked for a company that had the worst naming conventions on the planet, I think I get to say that. All right, I'll accept it. And I agree, their taxonomy does make sense. It's just that when I'm when I'm searching for products, I don't want to learn a ta- taxonomy. Okay, you know? that's fair. <laughs> yeah. How about multi tool three? That would that's great. That's yeah. great for me. Anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter. This is a fold-up hex wrench set. It's got a four, five, and a six, a flathead screwdriver, and a T25 Torx, and it's ten bucks. Mm-hmm. I am not the kind of guy. This nothing I'm saying about myself is going to surprise any listeners. I am not the kind of rider who wants to roll around with a comprehensive toolkit. I know people who carry derailleur hangers, chain tools, etc. Uh, that's not me. Um, if I have those kinds of problems, I'm going home, possibly in a car. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This little park tool I'm talking about is small. It's lightweight. It is supremely useful. It'll get you out of a lot of scrapes or just let you make small ride improving in just adjustments on the road. Mm -hmm. That's all I want from a multi-tool. What I used to do is buy five of these. (laughs) along with a bunch of the yellow Pedro's tire levers, and I'd rubber band them together, and some I would give to friends who clearly had no on-the-go repair plan, and some I'd tuck into various saddlebags I have knocking around my basement. Basically, wherever I am and there's a bike, I just want one of these tools around. I just want them to be kind of ambient. So (laughs) I... I buy mm-hmm. them by the lot and I do. I give away a bunch of them. Like if a friend, uh, if like one of my Peloton riding friends decides to invest in a real bike, I would like, oh, here, have this. You'll need this. Kind of like a housewarming seems- present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like now that. that. Now, now you are one of us. Have these things because they'll be useful to you. You won't know to get them for yourself. But here, I've 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 hooked you up. <laughs> um, obviously. There are a ton of great multi-tools out there, and you can p- pack an awful lot into the same space that this tool offers. But I'm a minimalist minimalist by heart. I'm not very fiddly. I don't want to get into little fiddly tools. And so this is the one that I carry. Also, it's <laughs> blue. <laughs> uh, and I like that. And you know how I feel about park tools. I do. You know, I, one thing I will say about that particular tool, because I have one as well. I have a lot of different multi-tools, but I, I do have one of those. And, you know, it it's kind of a nice uh, a threshold, um, a, a dividing line. It's like if you need to do more than what this tool can handle, you should probably get out your phone instead. This is this is exactly my point. That this is all of the tool that I want to have to deploy. <laughs> yeah, because any tool, any more complicated tool than what's included there, that's going to become a production. Right. I mean, fixing right. a chain out on a ride. Um, I mean, certainly I've been in circumstances where there was no recourse. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it can be handy, but... <sighs> I, you know, yeah, I like knowing it at a certain point, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if, if you're going to the back country, 
you know, be smart. <laughs> take, mm-hmm. take some real survivalist stuff. Um, you know, that's a different tool role. But if I'm just doing a 20, 30 mile gravel ride or a longer road ride, or if that's all I'm doing, this is the only tool that I'm willing <laughs> that I'm willing to deploy <laughs> in the service of that ride. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, in keeping with my poll, I'm going to recommend the Pearl Izumi Quest Amphib Jacket. Now, at 130, it is arguably the very best value out there in a jacket that offers the winter riding trifecta. It is waterproof. Uh, it is windproof, water resistant, and insulated. The cut is generous, so if you're carrying some turkey and stuffing, uh, you can still pull the zipper up uh, and it won't feel too tight. Uh, it also has a drawstring at the bottom so that you can cinch the fit at your waist so it doesn't go flapping around. Uh, mm-hmm. It comes in five sizes and four colors, uh, but you know, if you want your particular color size preference combo, you may have to check multiple retailers at this point in the year. Um, but I love it because, you know, like I was mentioning with some of the other stuff earlier, all you need is a base layer. And so it helps to reduce that whole bulk thing. And I, I don't know what it is, but I don't like feeling bulky on the bike, uh, no. in terms of my wardrobe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm reminded of the scene of the, the little brother in a Christmas story where he's got the, the scarf wrapped six times around him and falls down. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to be that kid. Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So there will be a link to both of these in our show notes at the cycling independent. Alrighty. I think that that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Do you disagree? No, no. Let's call it a wrap. Okay. Before I say something else embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you going to try to not embarrass yourself any further this weekend? Uh, I am. I am, which probably means solo rides. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm back from having been out of town to Memphis again, um, and. Uh, I still need to put in more time on that allied echo with the Blake break bleed problem. So uh, I think I'll be doing some of that this afternoon. If I can, (laughs) you do know how to party. I am a good time for who I don't know, but I am a good time. Uh, before we go, I want to put in a plug for revolting the podcast that John is producing along with Steve Knievel of all hail the black market. It's not a cycling podcast in the traditional sense, but I am promising you it's a good listen. Uh, We don't have the crash up and out yet. Uh, That's mostly because uh, there's more stuff going on in the uh, PowerPress plugin to make it talk to iTunes and everything. And so I'm uh, I'm dealing with a a coder in India. Yeah, I I have help. (laughs) It's a good metaphor for the crash that yeah good point Alrighty, we hope you've enjoyed the show and if you have please leave us a good review on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts it makes us easier for other listeners to find until next week i'm patrick brady with john lewis thanks for listening to the pace line <laughs>